Welcome to the Christine Spray Show, bringing you insights and stories from successful CEOs to help grow your business and increase your revenue. The Christine Spray Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Christine Spray. Hi, I am Christine Spray, and welcome to another episode of the Christine Spray Show. For this episode, our guest host is David Spray, and he is talking to Bart Petershick, the owner and CEO of Humble Sign Company, which manufactures and installs all types of commercial signs in the Houston area and beyond. Bart and Dave talked about Bart's background, not only as a Marine, but also Bart's first entrepreneurial venture. Basically, how Bart purchased Humble Sign Company in 2010 and how he's grown it tenfold. Bart is incredibly committed to not only his team, but also the culture, which is why he provides breakfast tacos to his team every morning. What brings in the most satisfaction is to watch his team members grow, both personally and professionally. This episode wraps up with Bart talking about the advice he would give his 25-year-old self, as well as the advice he gives to every new entrepreneur. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or considering launching your first venture, Bart's story is inspiring and his wisdom is timeless. Now, let's get to the episode. Hi, Bart. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, David. Glad to be here. Well, it is my pleasure. I'm going to do this a little bit differently than I've done some of the interviews. I'm going to spend a little less time kind of on the background, and I really kind of want to get into your current business because I think it's just really fascinating. Does that work for you? Yeah, sounds great. So I guess the short one, I understand like me, you grew up in the Midwest, that you Mm -hmm. in Kansas, me in Nebraska, you ended up making your way to the the Marines. And don't worry, I I know that you're never an ex-Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? (laughs) That's right. And so so thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, Semper Fi, once Marine, always Marine. Yeah, that's that, that that's great. And and then, you know, from there you ended up as an entrepreneur and and we'll get into that. So, if you, so let me just ask you just one just a couple questions about the Marines. So, what would you say the most valuable thing you learned about being a Marine? What a, most valuable life lesson you learned? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have known it at the time, David, but the they forced you into leadership positions whether you wanted them or not and and put you in some really, I guess, uncomfortable situations for an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized I was pretty good at that. It, I didn't. I don't know if I realized it at the time, but I, I enjoyed it, and I, I thrived on it. Okay. And so throughout the rest of my life, I was always quick to step up and assume a leadership role, which served me well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, let's now, I want to get to the, my favorite part of this story. So let's talk about your first venture that you, that you started, yeah. I think about 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? What was the name of the company and, and yeah. what did it do? Radio Raft, the, the waterproof radio, and this was before Bluetooth speakers were at least readily available. But I seen a need and it started with myself and my friends. We were always uh, floating the, the Guadalupe River here in Texas. And we made this radio, or I made this radio that, that could survive the, the environment of floating down the, the river. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. And, and 
each year it got a little more advanced and finally I decided I should make a product that for the market and I was naive and I, maybe that was a good thing I learned a lot of a lot of different things from from marketing manufacturing and sales along the way but the business was it was a failed plan from the beginning okay Nevertheless, we got a product off the market. It was outrageously expensive and therefore an unviable business. We did um, stumble along for a couple of years. They, they were so expensive, we leased the radios out oh. to, to River Outfitters. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, yeah. And they were a big hit, but they were just so expensive. It just wasn't a good business model. Maybe if I could look back and I knew what I knew now about manufacturing, I could have made it pulled it off and built something that was a little more practical, terribly over-engineered. So I spent a bunch of money and after about two years realized that this this is not going to put food on the table. So did you just end up just closing it or did you uh, find yeah. a new, a new a buyer for it? or No, it just fizzled out. We ran out of money and ultimately and it just fizzled out. Along the way, I've never completely quit my day job, which was in the boating business. I've been in the boat business all my life. Okay. I went to tech school to be a boat mechanic and got into sales and management along the way. And so at this point, it was 2008. And those of us that were in the boat business in 2008, 9, and 10, it was ugly. There's a lot of industries were, but the boat business was one of those that took a really hard hit. So... I'm sorry if I'm going off on a tangent. No, that, that, that's okay. So let me just okay. let me help you out there. Yeah. So that business didn't work out like you you planned. <laughs> no, before, it did it. Before we kind of move on, what my theory is: every obstacle contains the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. Absolutely. What was what were some of the positives that came out of that experience that you maybe didn't appreciate at the time? I think the most impactful. Uh, single element was in 2008, the the internet was still fairly new. Internet marketing was really still in its infancy. And out of necessity, I learned about internet marketing and advertising. Okay. uh, Yeah. And which uh, I learned a lot of things along the way, but the most beneficial element that that served what I was, uh, the sign company was, Internet marketing and advertising. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. And that we'll get into that when we get to the sign company. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back. It, it was, I uh, believe it was about 12 years ago. And how did you become involved in the Humble Sign Company, I assume, yeah. based in Humble, Texas? Yep, yep. Uh, so uh, I was working for a marina in that time frame of 09 and, and as I mentioned, the situation was grim. Yeah, under appreciated, underpaid, and at that point there was no end in sight. And you'd look around at other opportunities in the, the boating industry, and it, it was grim. Mm-hmm. And it just after you thought we could wait it out, but then I realized that I need to be open to accepting any opportunity. And at the moment. I wasn't sure I was going to go start my own business, but I was just absolutely open-minded to consider any opportunity that presented itself. Uh, And along the way in my career, I'd I'd always worked for small to medium-sized 
businesses, boat dealerships, and, and the like. So I learned, and some of them were, were some great companies and mentors that I learned a lot about small business management and the process. Okay. And so how did you come to learn of the sign company? Yeah. So uh, it was a cold winter night and I had just um, uh, came home and I remember I, I plopped down on the couch and just frustrated at this point in my life. I, I was just literally paycheck to paycheck and, and, and not sure where I was going to go with this. And my phone rang and a, a friend of a friend who knew I was open-minded to, to an opportunity had reached out to me and she said that she had this little sign company. She she was a serial entrepreneur herself and, and, and her thirst for marketing, she had accidentally started a sign company. She owned an automotive business, which was her, her primary okay. business. But she decided that it was not serving, she wasn't serving either one of them well enough and that she needed to shed the, the sign company. And so she reached out to me and said, yeah, I'm selling my sign company. Um, I put it on the market for $75,000. Look, this was a sign company in the loosest terms. It was simply a printer, some basic sign printing equipment, right? Okay. And, and one employee, I think he was 19 years old at the time. And so she offered the sign company $75,000. Well, at that point in my life, I didn't have $75,000. I was worried about covering rent, right? Sure, sure. And uh, so I, I shared that with her. I said, well, that's great. And if I know of anyone, I'll certainly pass that on. Thank you. And, uh, and concluded the phone call. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard through the grapevine. Actually, I, was, I knew her brother. and We bumped into each other a couple of days later. And he said, you ought to call her again. And, and he almost insisted, you need to call her. And I, I kind of read between the lines. Maybe there's something else there. So I reached out to her, and she said, I'll own her finance it to you. Oh, okay. Well, that probably yeah. got your interest. <laughs> I was like, now we're talking. And she offered, you know, I'll, give me $25,000. I'll own her finance the rest. And I said, Lynn, I, I, same I, problem, right? You yeah, have twenty five thousand. Twenty seventy five. It's all in the same bucket. Uh, and uh, anyway, she, she came down to ten thousand dollars. So I went and borrowed ten thousand dollars from a family member, and lo and behold, I bought a sign company. Wow, that's uh, a great. And so, could you give us? So one of the things I'm going to want to talk about is the growth of the company because it sounds like there's been a lot. But I also want to be sensitive to you know confidential financial numbers. So what kind of metric could we use that we could then reference, you know, kind of as the company grew, like maybe number of employees or. uh... Yep. Yep. So when I bought the company, it had one employee and I believe from the very beginning, I, I did have a vision of something much greater than that. And, uh, Every year since 2010, since we started, we've had measurable growth probably year over year on an average of 20, 25%. Okay. Uh, even in 2020, the, we did not go backwards. We did the same numbers in 2020 as we did in 2019, which. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Well, we count that as a success. With that exception, we've seen measurable growth every year. Okay. And so, like today, like how many employees do you all have now? Yep. We just hired our 51st employee. Wow. 
Yeah. Isn't that something? <laughs> yes, it is. Did you ever imagine it was going to be this big? Or was that kind of what you've always planned on? You know, yes and no. I, I knew I, was, I wanted to grow it. I knew I, I wanted to be a leader in the industry. And, and I was never afraid to take that next step or next leap of faith, you know. So I, did I see it? At, I don't know if I ever visualized a particular number of employees or volume, but I just knew I, I wanted to be a, a leader in the industry, at least regionally, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and what about, and so when you first got started, mm-hmm. what were your, and I'll be honest, I don't know anything about the sign making business. I didn't either. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is, so this will be fun for me yeah. to learn. Yeah. So when you got started, what were kind yeah. of your capabilities like as far as the yeah. type of signs you yeah. guys could make? Uh, my capabilities were zero. Okay. Uh, and and I had, a, as I mentioned, I, I inherited one employee. I think he was 19 at the time. He's still with us today, by the way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, really cool. And uh, he barely knew how to run this. We had a, it was basically a banner printer and some other final equipment. And we had very little experience. But he, he was a, a smart young man that stepped up to the plate uh, from an operational perspective and, and learned how to, you know, I'd go sell something. We'd come back and figure out how to make it. And these uh, were mostly just like the banner type signs that you mostly, print, like on a printer. That's right. The mostly just printing printed signs, maybe some very basic dimensional letters along the way. But we always pushed the envelope. That we would probably exaggerate our capabilities from time to time, and and, sure. and then had to go figure out how to make it. But you know, when we started. I, I did have enough experience with those type of sign companies through managing boat dealerships and marinas and such that the experience was usually less than great. Right? Okay. It and what made fun. it what made it less than great? What were the aspects of it that were disappointing? Yeah, I, I think from beginning to end, I just always felt like these guys aren't understanding the need here. That the design wasn't good. That the communication wasn't good. The lead time wasn't good, and it always it always had to uh, push him to get the job done on time and with a decent enough quality. Uh, and so the one thing I, when I jumped into this, I said, I know what didn't work, or I know what was disappointing when I dealt with those guys, and we're going to work hard to make this a better experience, even though okay. I had uh, no idea how that what that was going to entail, but I knew I wanted it to be a good experience. That's awesome. So let's, why don't we talk through kind of some significant milestones that, that come to mind? Like, yeah. I mean, when I look at your website, obviously you guys do a lot more than, you know, vinyl banner yep. signs that you, you taped to the inside of the window. So what was maybe the first kind of uh, capability evolution that comes to mind? And, and yep. what, what was that about? Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a neat little story. So, Local businesses started knocking on our door and, and wanting some basic storefront signage, and we figured out how to subcontract some of that work and get them done. And then we would hire a local sub that had a maybe a small bucket truck that would help us go install this on the front of a customer's business. Okay. And we'd get the job done, and this guy would come back and, and you know hand me his invoice, 
And if it was a three or four thousand dollar job, his bill to us was, was probably two thousand, and I kept writing these checks. And wow! I, I, uh, I was like, man, if we could just figure out how to do this install, we could keep a lot of this. And the same thing applied. You know, they didn't show up when they were supposed to. They just didn't make it a good experience for our customer. So, out of frustration, I started looking at bucket trucks. Another thing, I had no idea what I was looking at, but I found this. Uh, Ten-year-old bucket truck uh, in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. For, yeah, for ten thousand dollars. Okay. And, Price sounded uh, right. Yeah, it did. I was like, well, that almost sounds too good. <laughs> and so I called this little dealer up in Chicago, and I said, "Hey, I'm really interested, but if there's something wrong with this truck, please let's talk about it now, because otherwise, Friday I'm flying up there and I'm going to buy this and drive it back." And it was ten thousand dollars. We just finished a big job. Uh, David and probably had a total of I don't know thirteen fourteen thousand dollars in the bank. Okay, <laughs> and I'm going to put ten of it into this truck. And the the guy told me he said, "Yeah, no, it's a great truck, Bart. Come on and make the trip just fine." And so I get up there and, and it's this big heavy duty international bucket truck, right? And, and I jump in. And I have no idea what any of these butts do, and, and now I'm a little intimidated. I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to drive this back to Houston." And I'm looking around, and the the console kind of looks like one of these Ford consoles. So I start to turn on the air. It's the only thing I knew how to operate. And the air conditioner, that's the middle of June, and the air conditioner isn't working. Okay. And I lean out the window, and I tell the salesman, hey, I don't think the air conditioner is working. Well, it doesn't have any, was his answer. <laughs> right. So here in Houston, it's automatic. Work truck, old truck, it doesn't matter. It's right. <laughs> you never even thought to ask if it had air I didn't even think to ask. But as soon as he said that, I remembered. I knew the specs inside and out. I read them 15 times. It never claimed to have AC, but you didn't have to claim it down here. Mm. So anyway, uh, here I go. I'm headed back to Houston and this big ass truck, excuse me, this big truck. It's something I've never driven the likes of with the windows down and, uh, I'm on this three-day journey. It's a truck from up north with the snow and the salt, so the, the muffler starts rusting apart on the way down there. So <laughs> on the second day, the, the muffler has completely come apart. and it is Yeah, because those buff bucket trucks really are kind of designed for short trips, right? I mean, yeah, they're not cross-country vehicles. So yeah. It was a journey in the middle of the summer with no air conditioner, with the windows down, and now with no muffler. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll tell you this, uh, we got it back. We got the muffler fixed, and uh, dollar for dollar, it was the greatest return on investment, uh, one of the greatest return on investments I've ever made. We, we ran that truck for uh, several years, and it, it went to work for us every day and performed. How much money did that probably save you by oh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars? In the six figures, absolutely. Yeah. That $10,000 truck earned – I. I you know, I never looked. I should someday. It'd be fascinating. But it earned us well into the six figures and saved us at least, you know, half that from not having to hire subs. But most importantly, it put us in control of the installation process. Sure. And and therefore the customer experience. That's uh, that's great. So give us some context. So how many vehicles does the company own now? Um, we've got... Uh, I think a half dozen crane trucks and another half dozen support trucks. So, wow. well, yeah. Okay. And, and a crane truck's more advanced than a bucket truck, I yeah, guess. Yeah, these are quarter million dollar trucks. They're not uh, $10,000 trucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow, that's uh, that's something. Okay, so that thing opened up some more capabilities for you. And it was, it was a anything, big league for us, and it was a big league forward for us, absolutely. Okay, and I can see why. So, what was kind of the next kind of milestone, maybe technologically yep. or infrastructure? Yep, we at the time our storefront was a little strip center, and just down the road we had rented a small. Uh, warehouse to, to start trying to do some fabrication. Again, along the way, for the, the first few years, we're simply learning how to produce these things. How do, how do we make this? Where do we get these products? Where do, how do we manufacture it? Sales was my strong point. Management was probably my second. But manufacturing signage, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went to our very first, probably my second or third year, I went to our very first, the International Science Association trade show where all the vendors of mm-hmm. products and, and materials are there. And I bought a, a CNC router table, an automatic. Uh, yeah, I know what yeah, that is. Okay. And, and what uh, did that thing run? Do you remember? That one, it, it, it was an entry-level piece of equipment for $30,000. And I want to say that was the first thing the company was ever able to finance. Um, okay. So, so we, we found a, a lender that would take a chance on us and we financed a $30,000 piece of equipment and, and we were off to the races. We were now a sign manufacturer, albeit we, we lacked a lot, but we were producing some of our own product. Now, help me understand what, so I, I know what a CNC machine is. I've got a client that's got a bunch of them, yeah. but help me. And I can understand the use of that, like that company they make seals with it and gaskets and yeah. so tell me what that cnc machine let you do for sign making like what yep. types of signs could you now make that you couldn't make before yeah it, so we would we could take a flat sheet of acrylic or aluminum and then cut the letters perfectly instead of we, we were for a little while we were cutting these by hand on a bandsaw which was less than perfect and yeah consuming and now we're doing them perfectly and quickly so the channel letters, the illuminated letters that you see on the front of every strip center everywhere, mm-hmm. with this CNC machine, it, it was the, the gateway into being able to manufacture channel letters. Okay. Yeah. So that that helped you you do that. And probably what year was that, that you bought that CNC yeah. machine? Um, I'm going to say that was 2012, maybe 2013. Okay. Uh, yep. And, and how many employees do you probably have then? At that point, eight. Okay. Yeah, so you, like guys that. Are, you, you got your, your bucket truck and a CNC yeah. machine. We had a, we had a bucket truck and a CNC machine. And we were still, by most standards, just a crackpot sign company. We didn't have the ability to pull our own sign permits yet or, or mm. do anything too complicated. But we could get letters on the front of a building if it didn't require a permit or at least where anybody would care if it was permitted. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the next step. So now we're in, and pardon me, I'm a sequential learner. So I kind of need to learn chronologically. So this is roughly 2013. So what was the next kind of of milestone that comes to mind? I think the next critical one was we got a license, which in, in Texas, you need a, a master electrician on your payroll to sign these permit applications. So okay, we, we figured out how to do that. And we became a, a, a legitimate licensed sign company probably in 2013, Okay, and, which was a, another huge step 
it, it took a lot to get there. there. There was a lot of hoops to jump through regulation. Yeah, at the time, it was a lot of challenges because we were, of course, limited on funds and experience. And so becoming a licensed sign company was, was a huge next. By the way, I'm going to, I'm going to remember that line limited on, what did you say? Limited on money and experience, experience. (laughs) Yeah. Or or said another way, you're broke and didn't know what you were doing. More or less. The, 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 The first three years, everything was done off sheer determination unwavering determination failure was never ever gonna to seep into uh, the company i did believe that wholeheartedly there wasn't any money and there wasn't any experience it was absolutely built on determination okay okay so 13 is another you know big milestone that you're now yeah. an official licensed sign company that you can because yeah. i guess you needed that to provide the lighting right you needed the electrician to have the lighting Right to be able to do electrical signage, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen right away that you know that type of signage, commercial storefront electrical signage, that's where we needed to be. Obviously, you can only yep. make much, you know, printing banners. But okay, so what's next? What's the next milestone? Uh, or a next milestone? Yeah. So we, for the next few years, we stumbled along. We we. Uh, Got a, a little bit bigger shop, with the, which gave us a little bit more capacity. It was, it still had a lot of limitations. This building we were in, a lot of challenges. The, the shop floor was, was a disaster. The roof leaked. There was electrical problems in this building. But by gosh, we were manufacturing, installing signs, and doing it uh, legally with a permit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I knew early on in the first couple of years that I wanted to own our own building and build a, a real sign shop the way it needs to be done into our specifications. So I think it was 2014 right here in, in Humble, Texas. I, I stumbled across six acres that just went on the market. I had been watching and we bought six acres of undeveloped property. And over the course of the next three years, we got the plans and the loan to, to build this building that we're currently occupying and in 2018, we, we moved into uh, our own custom-built, our specification uh, building. That must have been really satisfying. It, it, was, it, it really was a huge source of pride to come from not too many years ago, this crackpot sign company that, that a lot of the other legitimate sign companies uh, literally would just laugh at. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then being that nobody wanted to come work, any anybody that was of uh, any real value to the sign industry didn't want to work for uh, this crackpot sign company. But once we moved into this building, and and slowly but surely we've been building our reputation as somebody to take seriously. And by the time we moved in here, some of the better talent in the industry started knocking on our door. And at that point we were really off to the races uh, and it, it just started to snowball from there. That's great. So any other kind of milestone you can think of, between, you know, that's, that was significant between 18 and 22, or was it just kind of kept yep. doing what you'd been doing, but just keep growing? Uh, all of the above. And we're, so this, I should add that this building that was going to answer all of our, our problems just a, a few years ago, we've outgrown it. We just sold our conference table and chairs so we could squeeze in a few more cubicles. <laughs> uh, and we're about to break ground on our 
second uh, building that will on your same six acres. Yeah, on the same six acres, and we're this building will be exactly double the size of our current one. Which will be how big, roughly? But yeah, forty. The, the new one will be forty thousand square feet. Wow, that's just about an acre, just a little under an acre, I think. Yeah, good sized space. It is. It is, and in this industry, there's a. We also need a lot of concrete. There's a lot of laydown space and trucks and equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I want to shift gears now and talk about how that you said when you had that new building, you started having, you know, qualified sign yeah. professionals showing up. So what was it yeah. that made him come calling on yeah. you? Yeah. David, along the way, we I was really focused on trying to build a brand that was respected by our customers and by the, the sign industry as a whole. And it was a steep uphill battle, considering we we had no experience. But between the years of 15 to 18, we did start to accomplish that and really focused on trying to bring in some needed experience. And the really good ones, you know, they don't want to come to work at a a company that's barely done. Sure. But... Along the way, we were able to convince a couple. One was a, a, a very talented designer, but probably one of the greatest sign designers, and I don't know, I, that I've ever met, to come to work for us. We showed him the vision, showed him where we were going, and convinced him to take the leap with us. And that was an important part of really being able to close some more valuable prospects, right? We, we've got to put together some intelligent-looking uh, design packages. And, uh, sure. And what so, was it? Yeah. What was it about the opportunity that was attractive to him? I think we painted the vision. You know, we showed him where we've come from, and when you look at where we came from, not necessarily where we were at that was impressive, but where we came from was what was impressive. Mm-hmm. Showed him where we intended to be in, in a short period of time. The, the vision, the opportunity. And at that point, we were really starting to create a brand that was something to be proud of. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, go ahead. Uh, no, so we just that, and that started to repeat itself, and and we started to collect some of the best craftsmen in the industry, from fabricators to installers and designers and project managers. You know, we don't we, today. We don't like really even higher on experience. But at that stage of Humble Sign Co., we needed, we lacked experience and we needed those guys to get on board with it. So I'm, I'm thinking that, that there must be more to it than you just painted a picture of a vision for those subsequent people. I mean, there must have been something that you guys either treated the employees better, you paid yeah. them more, they, yeah. you, you were nicer to them, you bought them pizza on Fridays. <laughs> what was it that was that you think made your place attractive to work at? You know, I I think we did develop a a reputation for a great culture. We we were committed and we do, you mentioned pizza. We we cook uh, breakfast tacos in here every morning for anybody. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of our water cooler conversation place in in the morning. That's Uh, a great way to get folks to show up to work early too, isn't it? It is. And you know, most of us, uh, we have busy lives and children that we will usually omit breakfast just to uh, get everything done in the morning. Yeah. And myself being one of them. And early on, we I, we started ordering in breakfast tacos. And we said, you know what, why don't we just make them? And that started, I don't know, back in 2014. 
and we've never stopped. We keep uh, having to make more. Uh, sure. We always say at some point, how much are we going to be able to do? But uh, today we still make them. I, I, we get from the accountant sometimes, you know, if we didn't make breakfast tacos, we could save so much here. Sure. It's things like that, I think, are become part of the culture, you know. So you guys are cooking, you know, a few hundred breakfast tacos a day. Um, a hundred or so? Maybe 40. Not everybody I, participates. Oh, I see. And I yeah. guess they must be good enough size that most people They're just good need enough size. And of course, you know, there's some people that are dedicated to a healthier diet than bacon, egg, and cheese tacos. <laughs> well, I would um, not be one of those. I'd be one either. of your employees that would, I'd be the first at work yeah, every day. Absolutely. But it starts everybody off with a full belly and it's just a cool thing to do. And it, it, so to summarize that, though, it, it, it was culture, I think for the employees and there's a commitment in the company. It's in our DNA to make sure we exceed the customer's expectations. And it's actually really easy to do. You simply deliver proactive communication in our industry, buying a sign or a sign package for a restaurant is a chore and it's not a fun one. If you're an owner or project manager, it's usually just a big thorn in your side with all of the other vendors and contractors you're dealing with. This custom signage that's got to get designed and permitted and engineered and fabricated and installed and done on time and there for the opening day. Mm -hmm. uh, it's there's a lot that goes into it, and most often our competitors, a lot of the competitors out there, they come up short in that process and certainly come up short in, in making the experience enjoyable. And, mm. and we found that first we, we learned how to deliver very consistently on the customer's expectation. But then along the way, we turned it into a fun experience, and we did it through proactive communication. We always say if the customer has to call us for a question or an update, we're not doing it right. Yep. I've always said that about my business. And I always tell my team that I have really one metric. How many phone calls do we get a year from customers asking us what the status of things That's it. is? And it's that easy. And not easy to do. Sometimes you get busy, but we've built a process where we know we're going to reach out to every customer depending on the size of the project, but generally weekly with an update. And sometimes there isn't much of an update when it's in permitting and nothing really changes, but they need to know that they, without right. it, they get anxious. Right. So, I'm sorry. I probably went down a rabbit hole, but no, no, this is, this is good. Ultimately we focus on making it a good experience and the entire team understands that and they're committed to it. And that, kind of culture is i think how we've attracted and built such a great team we all mm -hmm. want a, a great company and that starts with a great experience no it it sounds like it so so i've got a, a question that's like two parts so what are the characteristics of your ideal customer yeah and what are the characteristics of like your ideal employee? Because I know you had mentioned that these days it's not as essential that an employee has prior experience. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start with the employee? Yeah. If 
so I would have assumed that one of the characteristics would be you'd want him to have, you know, 10 years of sign experience. But, yeah. But tell me how that, if, if that's not the case and what you look for if they don't have that. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, when we didn't know what we were doing, we, we really were seeking out that experience. But as we know, when you do that, they usually come with some baggage, you know, they sure. buy into our philosophy always. And now that we're experts at what we do, there we I took a uh, quote from Warren Buffett, and he said, in all my years, I, I've hired on these three qualities, and that's intelligence, energy, and integrity. Mm-hmm. And he, have you heard this? And he points out that nowhere in there did you hear me say experience. Right. Yeah. And he talks about the problem if they only have two out of the three. Right. If they don't have integrity, the others are a liability. Right. And if they have, you know, integrity and intelligence, but no energy, then, you know, that doesn't help much. And if they have, and he actually has it like a nickname for each of the three makeups and it's, and it's pretty, and it's pretty funny because like he talks about how that he said the worst thing is to have somebody who has intelligence and energy, but no integrity because they'll like steal you blind. And if they have intelligence and energy and right and integrity, but no energy, they won't get any work done. And if they have integrity and energy, but no intelligence. So, but anyway, so yeah, those are three good ones. And you've, have you found that to be uh, a good way to go about it? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I have to caution, I'll hear our managers you know, bragging about where they're coming from. And I, and I remind them experience is way down the list on what's important here. We've got it now. We have a proven system. We know what we're doing and and give me those three characteristics way before we talk about experience. Right. And the experience, uh, like you'd mentioned, not to, not to interrupt, that could actually be a liability, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If it's uh, the wrong all, kind of experience. Yeah, more often than not, it, it is a liability unless they're a, a really special person that, you know, is open-minded. It it's usually is a liability. But, you know, I heard something else. Uh, was it humble, hungry, and smart? Yeah, humble, hungry, and smart, which they're kind of they have some – they're somewhat synonymous with mm-hmm. Warren Buffett's, uh, but I like that one too, humble, hungry, and smart. If they've got those, they're going to make a, a great team member. Uh, that is we'll, a good one. We'll get them the experience today. You know, look, if you're coming in to be a, one of our top designers, you certainly need some experience. But I'd rather give me somebody who's young without experience that's hungry and he'll learn quick enough. Yeah, no, there you go. So now let's shift gears and look at customers. So if I'm guessing what your ideal customer is, somebody who's very cost sensitive, demanding, unreasonable, difficult to work with and treat your employees poorly. Is that about what you're looking for in a customer? Yeah, it seems like it sometimes. Our strength and where we can outperform our competitors is a regionally based or headquartered company that is in growth mode and maybe has aspirations to become a national company. Okay. The national companies, it can make a salesperson drool, but we have to remind them that Look, we don't have any value to offer a company that a major nationwide chain. We don't have any value over these, you know, the, the, the Goliath sign. Mm-hmm. But where we do have value is these regional head, regionally headquartered companies, whether uh, it's a restaurant or a young franchise that's maybe on their fifth store. 
but has aspirations for a couple hundred and are going to grow into that over a few years. That is our ideal customer. And if, if that, if when we find that, we found that we can take that Goliath sign company and kick their butt in performance. Mm-hmm. I, I just, not necessarily, uh, Price, maybe it's the same, but performance, customer experience, they can't touch us. Yeah, because I guess what you're looking to do is to remove one less worry from their plate and become like their sign partner, right? Yeah. That, that right. all they need to know about signs are your phone number and, and, you'll, and they'll know that you'll take care of them and, and they have it. one less thing to worry about when they open that new location. Absolutely. When when you're spending a few million dollars to open up a restaurant, look, your signage is either installed on opening day or it's not. And there's nothing in between. And uh, and it's probably tough, right? Because you probably can't put up a big fancy sign too early or the construction people will yes, you know, that's break right. it or bang it up. So, hey, just on a side note, I have no idea what a sign costs. Like what's yeah. the... Like most yeah. expensive sign that you can think of that you guys have sold or, or maybe for a, a company of yeah. your size, what would be yeah. a, um, what, yeah. Uh, like a big standalone sign, I guess. Like yeah, I'm looking so at like, the specs liquor sign on your website, for example. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's a, that was a really cool sign. We, we actually helped them design. That was a new rollout for them with a modified logo. That was now, don't tell me specifically what that sign was, but just give us like an, is that like a, signs like that, are they $100,000, a million dollars? Something like that can get close to a hundred. I would venture to guess that was probably more than uh, $60,000 and less than $100,000. But then there's the entire sign package. You know, there's letters on the building and, and maybe some directional signage. So the oh, entire, okay. So the entire package on a new building like that is usually north of $80,000 and south of $200,000. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. And is most of your business these days repeat business? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that by design? 100%. It, that's our ideal customer. One that um, knows how to buy signage, that knows that, yes, you can go get it done cheaper, but are you really going to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the first-time sign buyer will come back to us with a quote from some XYZ sign company and show us mm-hmm. how it's 15% cheaper. And, and hopefully we've shown them the value of what we offer along the way. But when you're a young startup first store kind of person, look, you, I understand you're going to buy the cheapest thing you can get, right? Sure. But for those that are on their, their second location or have bought signage before, that's where they'll really appreciate what we offer. Right. We're going to deliver on time every time with a quality product backed by uh, a five-year warranty. No, that sounds great. So shifting gears a little bit, what, you know, I've heard the expression that it's lonely at the top when you run a business because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of conversations that it's it's not appropriate to have with your employees. Like, for example, if somebody called you up and, you know, wanted to buy your business, you probably there's probably not too many employees you want to bounce that idea off of, right? Yeah, right. And your wife has maybe heard enough about the challenges you're having in the business for a lifetime, maybe. <laughs> and and there's some conversations you don't want to have with your banker. Like like yep. if you're about to hit a rough, rough spell, you maybe don't want to Point that spook out. <laughs> him. So 
what do you, what's kind of your strategy to have, you know, some other entrepreneurs to bounce ideas off of? Yep. So I think it was 2015 or 16. Not sure how I found out. I think I got an unsolicited email for Vistage. Okay. Yep. Which is a a great organization that, that I believe worldwide, certainly nationwide, 15 to 20 business owners or CEOs. There's some other groups that, that are simply leading managers. or mm-hmm. And it's chaired by someone who is experienced in leading this type of discussion. And I bet I know the person who leads your group. <laughs> I didn't know if we wanted to open up that can of worms or not. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, and that would be the namesake of this podcast. I think you're talking about my lovely and talented wife, Christine. Is that right? Christine Sprite. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, We feel lucky to have her as uh, the the chairperson of our Vistage group. And then also, I've enrolled EOS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is separately, that's led by her, and and she is helping us roll that out in Humblesign Co. Oh, that's uh, that's great. My wife and I, we run our businesses very separately, so uh, I really know, know very little about you know, what she's up to with her clients and she doesn't really know what's going on with mine. So since she's not here and she would blush if I asked this question, (laughs) I'm going to ask you anyway. So what is it about Christine that makes it that that you find her to be helpful both as a Vistage chair or as an EOS implementer? Yeah. Gosh, that is, that is hard to summarize. David, as you know, I think she's probably read every entrepreneurial book out there but it sure seems like it i can never i bring up a book and every time she's read it right? yeah <laughs> she knows the author um, and i know she's written some of her own uh, best-selling books so to be under to be able to be coached by her is we truly uh feel fortunate i was telling my sales manager when we were uh, rolling out with eos with her that we are really lucky to have someone with her knowledge and experience and entrepreneurship coaching us. She, she has just been absolutely great. And then back to, I think, to the originally you had asked, how do we process some of these challenges privately? That's the beauty of Vistage is it's a group of other business owners, like-minded people with a lot of the similar challenges and that the meeting structured in a way that it helps us process some of these and share our experiences and help one another along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have, I've had the chance to join a, a, a peer group like that recently. I always, I, I tell people I would have joined uh, Vistage 10 years ago, except that they wouldn't let me be in my wife's group, <laughs> which is understandable. Sure. But the problem was because I knew how good she was. Yeah. It was hard for me to get excited about being in what I would call a subpar group uh, because I knew, I know how hard she works. I know how she, how committed she is and and, and, and the extra steps she goes to. So it would just be, I would just be perpetually uh, disappointed, but what ended up working for me is I had a couple of clients in in another type of uh, CEO group and, uh, and it was real easy to join because there are two of my favorite clients anyway, who I don't see enough of. And I'm like, oh, this is worth being in this thing just to see two of my favorite clients every month. So, yeah, so I can appreciate about that, that opportunity to process that yeah, information. 
It has. It, it's been huge. And when I first came across it, I um, I, I hesitated and thought, you know, do, do I want to invest that kind of time? It's all day, once a month. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, every time I go now, I think, well, boy, that, that there's always this. If the whole thing is great, but there's always some nugget of information that makes the entire thing worthwhile, you know, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely invaluable, hard to put a price on piece of information that I, we wouldn't have got. And at least one, there's numerous things throughout the, the day, but I can always go back and say, you know, that was priceless. No, I, I appreciate that. And just for the record here, for when Christine listens to this. So the CEO group I'm in was a, it's not a Vistage group, but they have a completely different strategy and kind of approach to things. So just to be clear, it's uh, completely different, but I get a sense of the camaraderie with yes. that peer group. Yes. Boy, the, the time is just, is flying by this. This has been fun. Just a couple more questions. So, and I'll try to keep these short. So if you could name one or two things that you enjoy most about your role with the company at this point in its evolution. things so rewarding i like because we're in a growing company i've seen families started here i've seen i saw one guy that came to work here several years ago was literally in, in dire straits with a broke down car living in an apartment and uh, last year he bought uh, his first house with a swimming pool and so to see be a part of that kind of success and building be able to share in that kind of success is, is really rewarding. Yeah. And to, to see them coming from struggling to, to put food on the table for their family to that is just priceless. And then, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, no, go ahead. Uh, next to, to seeing the, the people of the company grow with us, it's just really fun building a brand that, that people want to be a part of. Not just our customers, but the, the employees. To, to build a brand that everyone wants to be a part of is probably the single most rewarding definition I can provide. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's I'm looking at a map of where your facility is. You know, people who don't live in Houston, they ask me all the time about you know, traffic and how yeah. bad is it? And I've said, it's not that hard. You just have to structure your life to where you live pretty close to where you work. Yep. And yep. that's hard to do if your work is like downtown or, you know, in the, the high rent district yeah. part of town. But one of the nice things, benefits you all have out where you guys are, there's affordable housing nearby, isn't there? Yeah, we've got probably some of the most affordable housing in the nation, I think, mm-hmm. and and great schools. And, right near Lake Houston. Uh, right near Lake Houston, and and a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity. I've always said with, with our competition, we don't need to be that tough of competitors because anybody that wants to get up and go to work, there's so much opportunity here in this great city. Uh, sure. It's there for anybody that wants it. That's that's great. Last couple here. If you could go back in time and give advice to like your say your twenty five year old self, yeah, what advice might you give? <laughs> oh boy, you know I think at that age you're so headstrong, but it's really about building meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. 
personal, professional teams. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with uh, and choose wisely. Okay. I think that's wise advice. And I guess your other ages probably would be good advice to your 25-year-old self, right? The, to be humble and uh, and hungry. Yeah. yeah. Humble and hungry. That's it. And, and I, Yeah. You know, I, I've got to say, I think I possessed that when I was 25. Maybe not the smart part of it, but, <laughs> but I was humble and hungry. Gotcha. So nearing the end, so this is a fun question here. And I, it's, it's an either or, and I just want you to give me your gut answer, okay? Yeah. Oh, boy. So we're here in Texas. Barbecue or Tex-Mex? Boy, that is like trying to pick your, your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if I counted back over the last year, which one I, I've had more of, got to be Tex-Mex. Sure. Yeah. Yep. That is. Not to, not to disrespect barbecue. I love a good chopped beef sandwich. But Sure. Yeah. Well, I think somebody explained it to me. They said that the reason Tex-Mex is better than barbecue is it has more tolerance for imperfection than barbecue that's a good point yeah and that's and that's why you, you i mean heck i can even make decent tex-mex but you know yeah, yeah that's a good point barbecue is a little bit more challenging so well, well this has really been fun bart was there anything i should have asked you but i didn't or anything you want to add if, if when i see a new entrepreneur or a startup or an ambitious young person wanting to break off in their own business i, I there, there's Two things I think you've got to be able to answer before you can seriously start. Okay. What are you going to do differently? Right? What's your differentiator? And what are you really going to do for new business? I asked this one young man that was really eager to start his own business, and he said something about knocking on doors and handing out flyers. And I had to, to, to bring him uh, down out of the clouds a little bit, right? Right. Uh, so those are two things I tell any ambitious uh, startup entrepreneur. What's your differentiator and what are you going to do for new business? I think that is uh, wise advice and, and a couple of great questions to reflect on. Well, Bart, this has really been fun. I've really enjoyed yeah. hearing your story and learning Thanks. about the sign business. I now know a little bit about another part of business that I didn't really know about before. So, so thank you for that. Absolutely, David. Thank you. I've enjoyed sharing it. Yeah, well, you have a great day, okay? Okay, you too. Talk to you soon. All right. And there we have it. Another great episode on the Christine Spray Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes at christinespray.com. And you can find out more about how we can be a resource to you at strategiccatalystinc.com. All the best in your continued success until the next time we talk.